Playoffs. 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 It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Thursday with a couple of rough riders. Kevin Kincaid, of course, from Crossing Broad. Baxter is also a rough rider as well, even though he's a dog. And rejoining the program is a person who co-founded the podcast. Everybody, welcome back. It's Dave Zeitlin. Can you just say co-founded? I feel like you texted me once and you're like, do you want to be on a podcast? I'm like, all right. And that was, that was basically my extent of it. <laughs> so, so you're downplaying your, your contributions to, <laughs> to, to, to I did to drive that. to Fishtown a lot, so that's uh that was a big sacrifice on you, my end. You did, man. Yeah. That was that was your um like if you feel as though you didn't contribute to to starting the thing. Like if you're gonna say it's my idea, then surely you get credit for driving over here at least fifty times, yeah. right? Fifty? Was it that many? Wow. I don't know. Well we're up yeah. to we're up to episode number eighty eight. How many of them did uh, you... You did at least, like... Yeah, maybe 40. half. Yeah, that sounds about right. Before he... Yeah. So you're, you're too modest, man. You're like Ray Gaddis. You got to give yourself more credit um, for, yeah. for your contributions. I, yeah. I know. I kind of miss Fishtown. I haven't been recently. I did go to a restaurant once, uh, Soraya. That was pretty good. That's oh, Fishtown, right? Soraya, the uh, uh, yeah. Lebanese food. Yeah, that was good. Good place. What kind of uh, what kind of food did the Lebanese eat? Um, I'm trying to remember it. They, uh, you know, good Middle Eastern stuff. And I remember we were sitting at like this area where you could watch the guy make the bread. Oh. So uh, we were watching him do that, and the bread would come out like really hot and, and delicious. So yeah. Well, that's how I like I like my bread, hot and delicious. Hot. I also like my uh, Philadelphia Union wins. Hot and delicious. Hot and delicious, that's right. Um, so you were actually down there at the game. Uh, yeah, I think I tweeted it. After a decade of covering, I sat in the stands for the first time. So a little different uh, vantage point, which was interesting. See, now this is a podcast that I was interested in doing, uh, was going down and having the fan experience and then talking talking about it. Um, actually, one of our listeners, George, volunteered to uh, – um, have me uh, sit with him one time this year. I have not forgot about that, by the way, George, so I will still hit you up. Um, but you, since you had the experience before I did, Dave Zeitlin, you tell me what it was like to be on the other side, as they say. Yeah, well, props to uh, the whole union people, Ryan and Carl and, and some others. I got a comp, some nice tickets and parking. I probably shouldn't say that. but uh, You didn't yeah, pay they, for them? Uh, they took care of me, which was nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean... The, great seats it's pretty cool because you like walk in and you're like right on the field like right away um so then you walk up i was in close to the middle of the field which is nice and even in one of the top rows you know you feel pretty close and uh yeah i mean everything was nice my five-year-old is probably not as big a sports fan as i would hope or he's more into art and bugs and dinosaurs but he did like fang he got to meet the two he was into the first goal. He got excited, and then, like five minutes later, he's like, "Why aren't they scoring any more goals? I want to go home." So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was fun. So what? Um, what was what was it like walking around the stadium? Did you get like uh, concessions? Did you buy food and beer? Was the was the parking uh, okay, situation okay? Did you did you leave when everybody else left? Did you get 
stuck coming in or coming out? What what was all that? Because uh, like? when we were, I mean, yeah, when we were when we were writing about the team, we'd leave like we'd come two hours early. Leave and leave two hours later. Two yeah. hours later. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I got in not I got in maybe like half an hour before, and it wasn't too bad. We were in lot B. It wasn't quite as crowded as I thought. Like it was a good crowd and a sell or close to a sellout. But I mean, there are a lot of there are a decent amount of empty seats around me, and it wasn't too too crazy. I'm getting in, so they parked. Yeah, picked up my tickets. I will call. Uh, waited in the security line. Got through. Had some dollar dogs, which kind of looked like a little funky color. Oh. So hopefully, I didn't get too sick. I don't think I did. So, uh, um, <laughs> got big big things of soft serve ice cream for my kid and my kid's friend who was there, and his dad was there. Um, he spilled chocolate ice cream like all over himself, like right away. Straight um, up, man. Cool. So like um, yeah, and, we, they, and they scored early, which was nice. So he was pretty into that, and you know, I was trying to explain the players. But uh, yeah, between like the twenty fifth and the forty fifth minute, he was kind of kind of losing interest and so made some made some comments that would make our our anti soccer friends like uh, they don't score enough goals. I'm like, you, you sound like Dan Gelston right now, and like <laughs> <laughs> all the soccer. <laughs> Well, I mean, but he's five years old, you know. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's yeah. come. Where, you know, he he he'll, he'll yeah. even if he ends up being into dinosaurs and books and stuff like that. Like his perspective, growing up, is different than like an older guy who's saying, "Oh, this is some un-American yeah. bullshit," you know. He did say that too. He's like, "This is un-American bullshit." I'm, oh, I'm like Jesus, Noah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then it and then it happened. And then at halftime, we went up to the uh, media room and the uh, school Matthew George on that dinosaur knowledge. Matt's like, I just listened to a dinosaur podcast. And he's like, can you name these three dinosaurs? And he's like, no. So. Wow. Well, that's that was fun. Yeah. That's embarrassing for, for Matthew yeah. George. Yeah. It was. It was really embarrassing. I don't think he's going to show up to the next game. Yeah, uh, we might have to. We might have to think twice about re- having <laughs> him re- return to the program. Yeah, point. yeah. So um, what would you? So like compare. So compare. And then we met Fang and and Latu. Latu was uh, so nice. I was like, no, this is the greatest Union player ever. Well, there he's you like, go. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> he took a picture with him. He took a picture with Fang, who like lifted him up in the air. Well, that's okay, and, man. He's five years and old. Second half. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was going to say, like, uh, you know, back in the day, we would make judgments about that and say, well, why aren't you into the game and blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, you guys went to the Philadelphia Union match and everybody had a good time, yeah? Yeah. And then, yeah, and then second half, you know, he was into it. I, I might have given him my phone. You judge me all you want, fellow or non-parents, but... uh I had to get through it. And then uh, we actually left right after the second goal. We were about to leave earlier. And I was like, let's wait a few more minutes. My friend wanted to leave in the 75th. I'm like, let's wait. And then they scored in like the 77th. I'm like, perfect. And then we uh, so, so we got out of there to beat the traffic. Cause couldn't really afford to wait in too much traffic when it's a Sunday and the kids' bedtime and all that. So, so I got to tell uh, you, um, I just heard scratching on the door because the door's closed, and uh, Baxter was scratching at the door, and he wanted to come in. And uh, he only does—he's—he's he's never done that before while I'm recording here. He must have—you uh, think he heard your voice through the? Yeah, he could sense my presence. So, um, the union scored on a goal—a <laughs> goalkeeper error, a terrible goalkeeper yeah. error—and then they scored on a ball that was kicked off of Jack Elliott's face, off the post, then off of his head. 
and into the net. Uh, so, um, I mean, I'll, well, there's a goofy way to approach that and a serious way to approach that. I'll ask you the serious question first. Um, was, was it like I don't a answer any serious is, question? <laughs> what is it? Well, I mean, is your takeaway when you look at that like, oh, they were lucky, or do you say? Well, shit, they're just, they're finding, like, whatever the case, they're finding ways, they're getting results, like, it's, they're getting yeah. three points. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I, I'd say, I'd, just being in the stands, I'd say there's more of an optimistic outlook to it. I mean, I just never, sense, you know, they're playing, they're playing a team like um, Houston, which is not playing well, and the Union play well, but you just got the sense they're going to find a way to win, and that's, I think, I think maybe yeah, you tweeted it or someone else did. Like that didn't happen in past years. Like this is a game that probably would have tied or lost in like every other season. So the fact that they scored goals and won when they didn't play their best, I think, is a is a good sign for the um, the uh, growth and maturity of this team. Yeah. Um, so, are you outside? By the way, it sounds like you're walking down the street. No, I'm inside. Uh, I might be pacing. Does it sound? Is it bad quality? Oh no! You just sounded like you dropped off for a minute there, but you sound better now. Um, Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You're cutting out like every now and then, so hopefully it comes out okay. Okay, well it could be. Well, it could either be the best um, podcast we've ever done or the shittiest one we've ever done, but that's okay. Um, So I, I, in honor of how terrible the goals were that they scored on Sunday, I looked up. I tried to remember what some of the worst union goals of all time were, and I just wrote down a couple. Now, I want to see if you remember these. I think you'll remember most, oh, mo- most of them. Yeah. But um, in 2012, <laughs> Brian, Carroll, Brian Carroll scored a goal where <laughs> there was like a scrum in the box, and Carlos Valdez <laughs> – I can't even get through it. Carlos Valdez just took a wild swing at the ball and hit some D.C. United player in the face, and it fell to Brian Carroll like one inch from the uh, goal line, and he kicked the ball in. Yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah. I, I remember Brian Carroll would only score versus D.C., and he did it like three or four times in the span of those couple <laughs> years between the Open Cup and, and MLS play. So, That's yeah. right. I vaguely remember they weren't like the prettiest goals, but he just like yeah be in the right place, right time. Yeah, there was like a stat for the longest time where I think he had like five Union goals, and like four of them were against DC or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, God, they were, and they weren't they weren't great what? either. They were all like bad goals. You know, but uh, Ray Gaddis would kill for a bad goal. I mean, if Brian Carroll <laughs> can score that many goals, Ray Gaddis should have had one by now. I can't. I know. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. My God. <laughs> Um, How many minutes has he played without scoring? It is kind of a it, it is a weird thing at this point. I, I don't know. Feel like he'd like just get one bad bounce. And he's played more, he's played something like more than ten thousand minutes. I think at this yeah. point, just <laughs> <laughs> like his his if he does score a goal, his goals per minutes rate will be like one per thirteen thousand yeah. minutes or something like that. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so another one that I um, that I wrote down. Do you remember um, Zach Pfeffer, who came on the the Always Soccer in Philadelphia program not long ago? He scored one against New York City where there's a cross that came into the box, and then Ayuk, Eric Ayuk, um, claimed the goal, but on and then yeah. he went and did a bunch of yeah, back. I remember. Yeah, he went and did a bunch did of backflips. Yeah, yeah. Did the flips, yep. But when they uh, when they went and shared the replay, he actually hit the ball off uh, Pfeffer's rear end, and I yeah. think Pfeffer got <laughs> credit. Yeah. That was a funny post locker room scene. I, I remember Pfeffer was kind of making fun of it. Was that the uh, flip that that Ayuk did, where uh, um, two tried to copy it and just did a 
a somersault like next to him was at the same moment or i think it was yeah i want to say it was that was 2015 um god that was a good one but uh yeah could you imagine if you thought you scored a goal and you got all excited and you went and did a couple back handsprings and then they gave the goal to somebody else because you hit it off their ass could you imagine that i can i can constantly say i can't imagine scoring a goal and then doing back flips both of those things. <laughs> only, only, only for it to be given to someone else, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Um, there was another terrible goal. I know that you remember this one. Um, it was, <laughs> I, I can't get through these without even like describing yeah. them. I gotta, like, I gotta, like, <clears throat> take a deep breath here. Hang on. All right. So, 2012, Chandler Hoffman was out there and there was a cross that was played in. And he claims that he got a touch on it, but I highly, highly doubt that he got a touch on it. But they, he, they like may have skimmed like one of his hairs on his head, and then yeah, the yeah. goal, the goalkeeper thought he was going to head it, and he didn't. So it basically just like went right past the goalkeeper, and a and a Dallas player or something like flapped it and completely missed. But Hoffman, I think, told us after the game that it was his goal. I remember that. Yeah. I, uh, my two other biggest Chandler Hoffman memories are he scored like there's a, a uh, game at PPL. Uh, it was like a, a reserve league game or something, and he scored like four or five goals, and like and like, like no one was there to see it. <laughs> he did. Remember he that? scored four <laughs> goals. Yeah. And then my other my other Chandler Hoffman uh, memory is walking on Twenty Second Street uh, with my dog uh, near Washington, and he just popped up behind me and, and was petting my dog. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down another one. Here's the last. I had two other ones written down, but they're not as good. Um, in 2010, this is going way back. Alejandro Moreno scored like two goals in 30 games, I think. And one of them was against Dallas. The Union lost three to one to Dallas. Moreno, Latou, like took a shot that got deflected and it bounced up in the air. And there was basically just like a mass of bodies. And Moreno like bull rushed the like the mass of bodies, and like three people fell over. And the ball just kind of rolled into the net. And while he was on the ground, he was swinging at it, trying to hit it, and he missed. But because everybody like fell over, the ball just yeah. rolled in. Yeah, it was a terrible goal. It was one of his two. Uh, what year was that? That was 2010. It was 2010. It was oh, Union. Man. It was Union one, Dallas three. I knew he had it. It was, was when I was thinking this. I'm like, he scored it. Too long ago. Huh? Yeah, it was nine years ago, man. That's that's, that's yeah. crazy. Um, crazy. As uh, the Jim Sapala's Kia guy would say, but uh, yeah, that was terrible. Terrible goals. So I'm. Um, I, I found it ironic that you, when you were down there, you saw two of the worst Union goals of. Yeah. Of all they like to impress me. They're like, you remember 2012? Here's a, here's another uh, sneak peek for you. I'm like, thanks, thanks guys. So when so you right when you were down there, or this year in general, and I know we like Bailey touched on this in the impromptu um, podcast from a couple weeks, about like a month or two ago. Um, but do you feel? How do you feel now that you and I have both quit the beat and the union are finally good? I know. It feels like it feels like these guys now like didn't pay their dues. I guess most of them did. Matt, I'm at the Georgetown and Will and Joe. They all saw some. Do you believe in that? That you should there, have but... to cover. You should have to cover years of a shitty team before you're able to cover a good team. Yeah. yeah. It feels. I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm not like upset about it. Like it's actually fun to see Jim Curtin and you know as a not covering the team now. We can almost sort of like root for him a little bit because we always like Jim and. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, it was always a great team to cover too, in terms of you know like access and uh, and the players being nice to us and things like that. So I mean, I'm I'm definitely happy for them. It, it is kind of funny to think of like not only they weren't good. I mean, I feel like 
you know, I was covering for a few years there, I was covering articles like every day from like 2012 and they seem so like meaningless now, just like looking back on some of the people I was writing about who are like no longer here and they've been gone for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting looking back I think um some of the articles I wrote. Now that I uh now that I've covered the Sixers for two years to play off uh two playoff runs for that team, like it does put it in perspective, like just how many more people are reading your stuff, how much more dialed in the fan base is. But it was always like kind of special because the union was new and we were all kind of like coming up together with the fan base. Like we were there from the from the beginning, you know, so it felt like it was kind of yours. Um I don't know. Like the community felt like kind of strong between like players and writers and fans and stuff like that. Uh, because it was like, well, it's still brand new and it's our thing. We've been here from the beginning. So you didn't really care that they were shit, but, uh, I mean, yeah, it would have been nice to cover a winning team, right? It would have. Yeah. And I guess we did in 2011, right? But that, it's a, we did. We covered the 2011 team. Yeah. Back on that team. It's like, it wasn't like that exciting a team. I don't think was it. I mean, they didn't score that many goals. Like, I think they didn't like let in that many, but it never felt like that was a, the start of something great or anything. It just kind of felt like the league was so different back then. They were just like, no, they just had a great, a they had a great defense. <laughs> yeah. They had a great defense. And the thing is, is they didn't, yeah. they didn't win a ton of games, but they didn't lose games. They, I think they had like 50, right. 15 draws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 15 draws, yeah. man. Cause they, cause they only finished with 48 points that team. So if they, if this year's team wins on uh wins this weekend, then they'll have tied the 2011 team for their point total. So, yeah. yeah do you so. think, I mean, do you think people were paying less attention? Like, if the if all the shit that happened back in 2012 when they shipped out uh, on the two and Caleb and Mwanga and then Novak was fired, I mean, it's like we had a ton of things to like write about back then. Like, yeah. Do you think it would get like more play now um, in the media than it did back then? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, and with that, a lot of, like, secrets and a lot of crazy stuff was buried, too. Stuff that we always said, like, we always said, like, man, if this was any other team in town and people got new, learned about this stuff or this stuff got out, or even the, the stuff that was public, like Novak, that it would have been crazy, you know? Um, yeah. So the running joke is, like, you know, write the book about it, you know? But I don't even think with the book is, like, I don't know we, where I would even start. You know, so maybe I'll just yeah. tell it. Maybe I'll just do but the I mean, book. Maybe I'll just do the book on this podcast. Yeah. Like maybe I'll just tell one story every month or something and I'll do it. It'll be an audio book. Oh, man, you, you could charge for that. I could, but yeah, I'd, I'd like have to. I'd have, I, the other thing I was looking at is yeah. like if I was ever going to write this book, like I would need a great lawyer because there is a lot of like fucked up legal stuff that I don't really know if what I could tell or what I couldn't tell without getting like sued into <laughs> obl oblivion. You know what I mean? Imagine getting sued over a story you told about like the 2012 union on a podcast. <laughs> uh, the judge would be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, hopefully he would just dis he or she would just dismiss it outright. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand any of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. say what with with Fareed Mondragon? <laughs> yeah, okay, we're just gonna drop this whole thing. So, yeah, um, it's a settle. I know, right? Um, but you know, maybe what we'll do. Um, I was joking with somebody about this the other week, but I said, maybe what we'll do is we'll just gather a bunch of people and we'll get a ghost writer to do it. And we'll, we'll put it on like the, like the players tribune or something like 10 former journalists and 10 former Philadelphia union players tell their story to some poor guy who yeah. has to like transcribe the whole damn thing, you know? Yeah. My story. Yeah, I mean, the, hopefully the players 
Tribune would publish it. I feel like there's no one else that, at the same time, while coverage might seem like it's more now, I feel like there's less outlets covering the union. I, I mean, I used to be the beat writer for, for CSN. They stopped covering the union. Um, MLS was less. The Athletic did it for like a year and then kind yeah. of stopped. So that's been, uh, it's been too bad to see as well. So. You, uh, yeah, you were a little... Different podcast. You were a little less public uh, in expressing your dissatisfaction uh, with the athletic. Oh, yeah. uh, Matt, I loved Matt's uh, athletic trolling. Um, he made uh, yeah. he seemed to make no no uh, make it very clear that he was unhappy with what with what happened there. He didn't say anything for a while. But I think he was hoping they'd kind of uh, come to their senses a little bit. But uh, then, yeah, <laughs> he's, uh, he's not too happy. I mean, I'm pretty happy with my job and everything. I I would have liked to have, you know, contributed a few features here and there, but there's not not many places to write union features anymore, unfortunately. No, I know. It's sad. I mean, there's still the problem is that there's still not a lot of money in it, you know? Yeah. There's really not a lot of outlets, so it's like you don't really see – um, you know, the union are good, but that hasn't really reflected. I mean, there's, they're not, it's not like they're cutting into the Eagles, Sixers, Phillies, uh, Flyers, like piece of the pie with the Inquirer and, you know, other local outlets. I mean, the Inquirer has, has a bunch of problems as it is with, uh, with, with like cuts and buyouts and stuff like that. So it's, it is what it is. I mean, the, you, you could say that the industry struggles are their own thing, of course, but, and that doesn't help, you know, soccer coverage, obviously. So, um, I mean, people would always say before that, like, once the team got good, then their coverage would grow, and I think it's showing that's not the case. I I was always kind of skeptical about that, because I just think people's opinions on sports are so ingrained that even if the team does do well, it wouldn't change anything, and it hasn't so far. I mean, maybe if they win a championship or even just win in the playoffs, it'll change, but, I mean, you don't see, like, inquirer columnists going out to, to cover this team now that they're in first place and even when Bedoya is making all these things he's making like national news he's in the the uh, guardian and places like that but the inquirer is not sending out their like big guns or you know i mean just people in the city aren't covering them more because of that so well right and john's uh, john's already doing like like i i think people know but just to reiterate like tannenwald does like all kinds of stuff like on the desk for them you know i mean it's not like his only job is to do their soccer stuff you know so and that's how it was for you and me too. Like you had other jobs. I had other jobs. We were all like freelancers or you, the union was always like a side thing, you know? Um, yeah. so it's never, it was never going to, you're never going to be able to make enough money doing it to do it exclusively. It's not a full-time job anyway, really. Cause the season's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess I thought there might be more interest in it now. I mean, podcast listenership. I can say that like our listenership is up like 30% this year. Um, what did I last? No, 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 no. That's not. That's not the reason why. It's it's because it's because the team's good, you know. So yeah. I mean, but you because yeah. you and I were sitting here like a year ago or a year and a half ago saying like, what the hell are like? Do we even really want to do the, like, this? You know, should we do a podcast <laughs> now? No, let's do it next week. Another podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know because we we just didn't really have that. We weren't super excited. I mean, remember we did that whole winter where we're like, okay, we're not doing a podcast until something happens, right? And then that's when the David Acom trade happened, right? Isn't that what we did? Yeah, 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 yep. So, yeah, yeah long gone are, um, are those days. Okay, so let me ask you one, <laughs> one, one, uh, one more serious question here. Um, okay. So Jim came out this week, and he said that Aurelian Colin, Aurelian Colin is the guy at center back alongside Jack Elliott, which means that 
Austin Trussie and Mark McKenzie are on the bench, two homegrowns who we all thought were going to be starting this year. Brandon Aronson's going to be on the bench now with, well, he was on the bench for Warren Carvalho and then Jamiro Montero's coming back. So like the homegrowns played all these, all these minutes earlier in the year and now they're just kind of not really part of it. So what did you make of the Colin thing and like the homegrown thing in general now? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't love it right now. It's, it's also, it's a lot, I mean, this isn't bad, but it's, it's mostly foreign players. I think I was looking at the lineup uh, like during the national anthem. I think it was is it just Bedoya and Gaddis? I guess Corval too. But there, uh, yeah, there just aren't as many Americans, which is fine. The, the homegrown problem is, yeah, I mean, it, it's an issue. I think um, just because it generated so much excitement, and you kind of need those guys playing for them to keep keep improving. Um, now, I don't really get the Colin thing too much. I mean, Trusty, I didn't think was bad. I haven't been following as much as you. Did you think Trusty should have been should have been taken out of the lineup? Or I mean, the defense was struggling a bit, and so I guess he was the guy who went. But Jack Elliott wasn't that great in the two four nothing losses either. Like I think you could have justified taking either one of them out of the out of the lineup. But I think Elliott's been better than Trusty. Uh, throughout the year. I think Austin has trouble for some reason with directness and like straight long balls over the top. He struggled with sometimes when guys run right at him. He's not that great. Um, yeah. I don't know, but it does seem strange. It does seem counter counterintuitive, or not counterintuitive, yeah. but counterproductive to what they've they've preached over the years, you know? Yeah. It almost seems like a, like a weird flex. Like, they're like, we have so much more depth. Like, in years past, we wouldn't have had Colin or like RJ Allen or these guys. I mean, these are like these are like veteran MLS players who have been on the bench, and it almost feels like Curtin saying, you know, I mean, we have these guys, we're going to use them for a few games because we couldn't have done that in the past. So, I mean, yeah. it was just a few games for Colin to come in, you know, steady the ship, it's fine. I mean, Trusty and McKenzie, they're not going anywhere. Hopefully it doesn't hurt their their development. I think I think fans are particularly jaded when it comes to homegrowns because they saw so many young, talented players kind of, show so much promise for their first year or two and then fall off a cliff. You, you, you'd like to think that wouldn't happen anymore, but it's just a better like infrastructure in place. Well, then um, they got to start selling. I mean, because if they're going to do this thing where they come out flying, they commit to the homegrowns, and then eventually they take a backseat to the veterans and the foreign guys who come in and out play them, then they're going to have to start being a selling club, you know, because where else, what's the alternative? You're just going to have a bunch of homegrown talent, like not on the field, right? Yeah, and I don't think that's the long-term plan. I mean, it, unless they've changed their whole like outlook on things. I mean, I think I think their plan has always been to to play as many homegrowns as possible, and for them to become stars. And yeah, of course, a few of them will be sold, and and that's a good thing. But uh, I don't think they're bringing these guys up just to just to be on the bench. I think it's I think it's a combination of just a, a short-term thing where they they, they have more depth and uh, they have good. Uh, veteran players right now and they don't need to, to to play the homegrowns but i'd be surprised if like going into like next year there weren't you know four homegrowns in this starting lineup on the first day so um one of the listeners asked um, i think it was jared actually asked about the alumni night um so i figured we would do that now. um Tony so, Stahl. yeah like what the hell so like i was looked at i looked Did at they the find I looked at the list and I was just like flabbergasted that by some of the names that were on here um, because some of these guys like did not leave on the greatest of terms or they like, weren't even like here for five seconds. You know what I mean? Like the list is 
Well, let's just go down the list, all right? Fred, fine. He's already there anyway, right? He's there anyway, yeah. Zach Pfeffer, great. The Far fans, both of the Far fans. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. Brian Carroll, uh, Ryan Richter, uh, Danny Kale, it'd be nice to see him. Be nice to see him again. Kale is, yeah, Kale's a good one. He's Kale's out in California still, I think. So that'd be good to get him back. He was always a fan favorite. Um, Sebastian Latou, of course. He's already down there. Um, yeah. Car- Carlos Ruiz is coming back. Yeah, and then no, whole, Novak blamed crazy, it on the fans. That's the craziest post-game press conference ever, where, uh, where Peter Novak like blamed the fans and like you guys don't understand Carlos Ruiz. Well, do we Rick have to Goldberg. go down? Like, do we have to go down there and ask these guys? Like, Mondragon is on there too. Do we have to ask them? Hey, why the hell? Why did you guys leave the team in the first place? We never got an answer like eight years ago. <laughs> That'd be good. I think you should go down and just do really hard-hitting questions about Peter Novak, like not giving them water, and then and then try to break a big story. Well, the rumor, <laughs> the, the the rumor too, for the longest time, that was that like Ruiz had like a tax evasion or a financial problem or something like that. That was floating around for a long time. <laughs> I hear that. Somebody told me that. I just for, remember the the highlight of, of uh, Amy's career was getting the uh, two Carlos Ruiz's together before the Phillies game one. So it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Chooch with the other with uh, Chooch with Pescadito. Chooch and the fish. Yeah, Chooch and uh, Pescadito. Uh, Cleberson's going to be there. Barnett is going to be there, which is cool. He's going to come all the way back. Yeah. yeah. Um, He'll get a good reception. Sumare? Who? Bakari Sumare? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, why would he come back? Yeah. Didn't he have that comment on Twitter once making fun of Chester Park? Yeah, well, I can't wait to show him the. Uh, maybe I'll go down yeah. there and, and show him the power training <laughs> complex, and that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Carlos Valdez is coming back. The fuck? Hey, yeah. that's a weird one because he was so beloved his first stint, and then so bad his second stint. So yeah, let's just assume it, it's first stint. Carlos Valdez, not well, because he showed up. Cup, Carlos Valdez. Yeah, because he showed up uh, in jeans on the first day of like training. Do you remember that at YSC? Like he showed up yeah. in street clothes, and they talked to Albright. And then was, he like left. At the end of was that the end of the first stint or the beginning of the second stint? I, I can't keep track anymore. No, he came back. No, he came back midway through 2014 because remember he played in the U.S. Open Cup final. Yeah. Um, so that would have been the beginning well, of the 2015 season. So yeah, first he played in a little tournament in Brazil, and then him and Maboli were signed around the same time to yeah. both through the clubs on the stretch, and that that worked out. Yes. Yeah, really. um, Shannon's coming back. Oka Nikolov, Tony Stahl. Holy shit! Shane, is Shannon still playing? What what happened? Is he, is he playing anywhere? Right no, Shannon's with the Shannon's with the he's academy. He was Galaxy last year. No, he's with the academy. He's with YSC now. Shannon. Uh, Shannon Williams has something to do with YSC now. I think. Oh, nice, good friend. Tony Stahl. I would love to talk to him. Ali Moreno's coming back. JT Newman. Do you think Tony Stahl just had like? this apartment in like uh, Delaware County for like nine years just like waiting for this moment <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> why would you invite would... his first season with the union so much and, and couldn't leave and was just, has just been waiting in the shadows for this call now Tony to... Tony didn't play another game after the red card right did he I know uh, yeah that sounds right I know David Myrie only played that first game David Myrie, yeah, he was came, yeah, yeah. Um, JT Noon was David, here for five minutes. He was from Harrisburg. David Myrie and Tony Starr will will forever be the two players who played in the first ever Philadelphia Union game. It's like, it's like yeah. the greatest uh, stat. Yeah, and Danny Ma- Danny Malanga was an attacking midfielder. The first Union game. 
Yeah, God. Um, and then Fareed Mondragon, too. I heard some shit about him that I'd like to ask him. Like, why was why would he come back? Yeah, I, was, I mean, it, he had a good one year. He, he was in the All-Star game, do you remember, at Red Bull Arena? <laughs> he made the playoffs. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God. And, yeah, he left. He kind of left them to lurch in the preseason. They was like they, they weren't sure if he was going to be there, and he basically pieced out right? before yeah. 2012. Yeah. Um, Jones. Yeah. All right, well, let's um, let's get to questions, but first I want to do an exercise. This is a segment that Russ and I um, added only like two episodes ago. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but uh, basically I think it's funny as hell when I hear like British people try to pronounce uh, a word that ends in the letter A, and they pronounce it like it's an E-R. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, f- you know, uh, Paul Pogber. You know, they have this like weird, they have this weird, like, I don't know what it's called, like a rhotic, rhotic R. So if there's like a linguist who listens to the podcast, I would love to have you on the podcast to explain why British people explain, um, pronounce words that end in a, like an ER, you know, um, goner, the country of goner. Right. Um, Uh, so pay attention linguist. So I have four of them. I have four of them for you and I want to hear you pronounce them. Okay. Um, Okay. The first one is Danny Mwanga. I did to say that. I have to say it out normally, or no? Or you have to say it like you're like end. you're British. All right, uh, Mwanga. <laughs> Danny Danny Mwanga. Um, uh, I don't. Have, I don't have a good British accent. This is this is a bad game for me. Okay, I'll do them, and then we'll get to questions about <laughs> that. All right. All right, um, you do. Macquarie Court at the Palestra. Uh, <laughs> Macquarie Court at the Palestra. All right, this is what you yeah, get. This is what that feels you, like a di- that feels like a personal like attack at me that uh, doing the sponsor <laughs> at the historic palestra. I, I don't appreciate that. You you haven't <laughs> adopted Macquarie Court. I I don't like Macquarie Court that much. I didn't think you would. Tannenwald doesn't like you. As long as I don't change the actual name of the palestra, it's fine. All right, this is what you get when you eat something that hasn't been cooked. You get salmonella. And the last one, this is uh, this was a movie that came out like ten or fifteen years ago. I don't know when, uh, but it was called V is for Vendetta. Oh yeah, I've never seen that movie. All right, Have so you seen any was, good movies recently? Um, I watched the three-hour Avengers movie. Did you watch that? I just watched. I watched the Hateful Eight uh, yesterday. That's the first time I've seen that. Tarantino. Uh, would you recommend crazy. that? Crazy, crazy movie. Um, so that was words that end in the letter A. Thanks for, uh, participating. We're going to get to questions. <laughs> Sorry. I like ruined that segment for you. <laughs> no, I had to explain it. I, it was really, I guess I should just do it with Russ from now on, you know, but that's all right. Um, okay. all right. I was not, I was not prepared for that segment. All right. So let's rip through these questions, ready? Cause the Eagles are coming yeah, on it. soon. Um, Eagles are playing tonight. Yeah. The Eagles in the play playoffs. Um, who are they playing? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, isn't that Nick Foles' team? Uh, yeah, but he's not playing tonight. Like, the preseason's so fucking useless, but whatever. Um, okay, we got a question from Union Hulk. Um, he says, where Bethlehem play next year? Are they staying with us? Uh, Mario Balotelli is free and still out there. Can Kevin Dino and Zeitlin Dino explain to Hulk uh, why Balotelli is not on the Union? Is it 
because we're poor or because he blew his bathroom out? <laughs> Is it because do um, we not have Balotelli because he he blew his bathroom up? I think uh, Bethlehem Steel should sign Balotelli to, to really boost the uh, the attendance numbers for them. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I would love to see them play in uh, Delaware. I thought I thought maybe they could uh, go play at the Sixers thing down there, but I don't think there's room. I don't know if they have an out. Uh, there's no outdoor stadium down there, is there? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. They uh, should probably play in the Lehigh Valley again at some point. You would think if their name's Bethlehem Steel, but uh. A lot of people wanted to know about this cannon that was at the game on Saturday. What uh, what was going on with the cannon? Yeah, I mean, I noticed it. They, I mean, after the goal, there was a loud cannon. <laughs> I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I don't think my kid even noticed it, but I guess people were upset as hell. I mean, I think there's some section of fans that don't want the whole, like, minor league basically vibe, and I don't think the union really do that. Uh, I, I could live without the cannon. It wasn't a great – I don't think it's really, like – I had a kind of thing. It didn't really bother me either. The best part was before the game, they had a helicopter and three people uh, glide in on parachutes onto the field. That was kind of cool. Um, Josh from the Wonder Year says, next year I'm thinking of going to Union at Nashville. Uh, what's a team city stadium that you'd travel to for an away match? I mean, I've never been to the Pacific. Nashville. Nashville. That's a good call. Nashville's a good town. I've been there before. Um, I'd, I haven't been to the Northwest, so I'd want to go to probably Portland, I guess. Yeah, I, I would like to, to hit up the, the uh, Cascadia, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver. Maybe I'll go into uh, Tanner World's um, suitcase next time he makes the trip, which will be in a few more months. I think he goes every few months. So. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, I, we talked about this last week on the podcast, so I'll just reiterate what I said. But Tallahassee Union um, says, uh, drink some brews and give us your thoughts on MLS banning uh, the Iron Front symbol. Uh, so last week... Well, we were talking about the signage, um, the the rule that of the fan conduct where MLS doesn't want like political signage in the stadiums. And MLS said that they don't that they banned Iron Front because they determined it to be polit. They determined that specifically to be political. Um, I don't really have thoughts on them banning that one way or another. I just my point that I made last week was that like what they're trying to avoid is like you don't want people on in ones in like section 135 holding up signs that say iron front and then in section 145 it's like a donald trump uh tifo you know so i I think that's i think it's less about i think what mls is trying to do regardless of whether they're doing it the right way i think they're just trying to say that look we don't want our stadiums to turn into like a big like battle of of political and social ideas and stuff like that because i think i think they just see it as like a like a slippery slope to like stuff that's that doesn't have anything to do with what everybody's there for in the first place, you know. I think I think that's what how they, I think that's the purpose of it. I'm sorry, I have the Donald Trump info in my head now, and I just threw up in my mouth a little bit, so I can't really focus on anything else. Uh. But, uh, <laughs> how the Donald Trump info would look terrible. Well, no, I but I just I I don't. Like, I mean, you could sit here and split hairs all day about, you know, give MLS like a list of like 50 symbols and they could say, this is political, this is not political, this is this is political, but this one's not political. Like, I think they're just trying to avoid that, all of that in general. You know what I mean? Like, I think if Alejandro Bedoya comes out and says, end gun violence, and then the Sons of Ben have a banner that says, end gun violence. Okay, I, I mean, that's, there's nothing like inherently political about that. But if it turns into something where like, 
you know, of you got somebody hanging an NRA banner in one end of the stadium to counter that. I think that's what MLS is trying to avoid. So that's my only like real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard to figure out what's political these days. And like, I mean, you would say soccer teams stand for certain things and soccer fan groups stand for certain things like pro um, immigration. It's like a big issue probably is we get people from, every different country, every different continent, uh, fans are from everywhere. So you'd like to think that's not a political issue, but it's kind of become one in these, uh, in these times, which is, which is sad too. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think that, um, this is a, that's a topic I actually would probably do an entire separate podcast on, like depending on what, cause I feel like we haven't heard the end of like MLS trying to, trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? So yeah, that'd um, be interesting. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. I'm just going to skim through some of these because I think we talked about them already. Um, EJ McGrogan says, uh, over or under 25 goals for Casper's uh, union career? He's already in double digits, so if he stays another year, I'll get the over, right? Yeah, I think so. And I don't, like, again, I'd said at the beginning of the year, like, I'm not, like, super high on – I'm not – I'm not super high or super low on him as a player. I think he's like – I think you could plug a lot of people into the position that he's in now. I think if C.J. Sapong was in Casper's position, he'd also have like 10 to 12 goals. I think Corey Burke would probably have 10 to 12 goals if he was playing Casper's spot yeah. right now. I, I, don't, I don't see Casper Shabilko as like a next-level kind of player. Yeah. I, think he's, I think he's a good player. It's also, yeah, it's also hard to tell because we would have said at this time last year – Corey Burke would have had the over on 25, but he gets a great year last year, and now he's he's banned from the country. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not it's not to take any way, anything away from from Casper, but I think because they have such a good midfield and they do create chances for him, like um, I think you could probably plug in a number of guys who would, who would probably be able to do what he's doing. So it's not a slight. It's just I I think I don't think he's any I don't think he's head and shoulders above those other guys I mentioned. You know. So yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. Uh, la, 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 la. Yeah, um, oh, there's an argument going on here. So, um, are there any teams left on the schedule where you think they need to start in something other than 4 4 2? Eh, what do you think? No, no, I mean, it's a good shape. It's worked for him a lot this year. Yeah. I mean, Jim, Jim's come out playing 4 2 3 1 to start games like twice or like two or three times, I want to say, but he, he usually goes. T- switches to it in game when El Sino comes in. El Sino goes over to the right, you know? So Yeah. Um Derek says, does Neil Lennon have a clue what he's doing? I will say no. Uh Celtic lost to <sighs> Celtic lost to Cluj and they are out of the Champions League. Um <sighs> Do you have any thoughts on the cause I haven't really followed it. I'm not sure if you have like the Philadelphia Fury and uh like the the Oh yeah. I mean I know they're playing at Franklin Field, which is weird. I I have I don't I'm not seeing this as a big team. I, I think if they're thinking Franklin Field is a big draw for them, I'd be a little wary because it's not like a location where a lot of people are. I mean, college students are obviously near there, and it's close to Center City, but it's not really too close of a walk, and I don't really see too many casual fans just popping over to Franklin Field for a Fury game. What do you think? Yeah, I got to be honest. I'm not, like, super, like – really focused i'm not really interested in that right now if they play one yeah. season and it turns out to be interesting and if they if they last like more than a season then okay we'll give them some attention but like i'm not like uh you know, there's been so much yeah, shuff, not, shuffle and lower i don't think it's gonna look i don't think it's gonna look good at franklin field because i mean you think back to all the teams used to play in big stadiums and franklin field's so old and it doesn't it doesn't look good when it when it's empty 
which it usually is, except during pen relays. So I don't know. Yeah. It's going to look great, and I don't think they're going to But, oh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully what it does well, because we always said we wanted a team in, in downtown Philly. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. We're going to get it, I guess, for, for a I while. Know. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I'll put that one on the back burner. Um, okay, let's do three more, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, Joe right. says, what current player would you put in the ring of honor with Latou? Current? So a guy in a team right now? Uh, I, I think it's got to be Bedoya, right? Bedoya or Blake, if they stick around yep. for a year or two more? Yep. Yeah, Bedoya, uh, Bedoya or Blake are probably the only two real options right now. I mean, unless you go like longevity and like Ray Gaddis or something, but you probably do Brian Kyle before him. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Bedoya has been all you could ask for as a captain, as a leader. As you know, he's really helped like usher this this franchise forward. I mean, he he, he hasn't well game he's played, but he's he's done his job. He's, he's been a good leader. He's Kind of, he kind of meshes well with the guys, and he meshes well with Curtin, and I think they're, I think they're really happy with him, and he'd be, a, he'd be a top choice for me, and I think he might end up there, to be honest. Um, Silver Ray says thoughts on putting down AstroTurf to protect the grass when football, lacrosse, and rugby come to town. Audi Field was trash uh, in DC because lacrosse came through, and Talons had its troubles. Yeah, I don't know enough about that. I don't I don't like I don't think it's necessarily that safe for the other sports to play on turf that's dropped over grass or grass that's dropped over grass, you know. Or grass that's dropped over fake turf. You know, I don't I don't it it just seems like Ernie Ernie would have had a nightmare with this if he was still here, you know. Yeah, I mean I I, I see both sides of it. They kinda need to like rent that place out too, just just to make a little money. It's, Seems seems uh seems weird just to have a place just for just for home soccer games. So I mean I understand that them renting it out, but you do want to limit the the wear and tear in the field, obviously. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's do. Here's the last one. Um. Explain why the Keystone State Ultras chant that the whole stadium took up felt like such an organic, unique, and cool moment. Uh. Versus. Yeah, fun. Versus the cannon being not a cool moment. I mean. It, right there i mean one was one was organic it was it was cool because you don't usually see chants go between different parts of the stadium we're so used to just seeing the uh, sons of ben and this kind of involved a few more sections so um and it kind of is just a thing that the team does you know the, the fans don't really have much to do with that i don't think maybe yeah. the sons of ben do but yeah i mean the chant all the videos i saw were pretty cool and it was fun i actually missed it i think it was at the end of the game right after i left so that'll teach me to leave games early for my son's bedtime straight up man well listen um that'll do it for this episode of it's always soccer in philadelphia uh kevin kincaid baxter is here dave zeitlin rejoining the program dave it was good to have you on again my man yeah you got to give yourself more credit um in your contributions to creating the podcast yes yes from now on i will tell everyone i'm the reason the podcast is good and i'm the reason that the team is in is in first place. All the hard work I put in writing terrible articles and doing terrible podcasts. That's right. We uh, we paved the Laid way. The groundwork. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that way. so that others uh, who came later could benefit from it. Exactly. That's right. Hey, it's always soccer in Philadelphia. We will see you again uh, next time, and hopefully, your town, your team, your Philadelphia Union will remain in first place. Peace out.